What happened, Ben? What changed you? Was it time that did it? Or was it something else? We grew up, that's all. Everybody gets older. Maybe there are people who stay young. Maybe they know a secret that they keep from the rest of us. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys uh, um, enjoyed the showdown with Rance McGrew. I mean, I know um, we we kind of did, question mark? I, I don't know. Uh, hasn't, hasn't set well with me since, since talking about it, but I enjoyed our talk about it. Yeah, I had a good time with it. Sorry for the awkward intro, uh, dealing with some computer issues on my end. And uh, I muted the speaker so the computer wouldn't make any noise, and it muted you, so I thought I lost you. But I think I came back <laughs> at a reasonable time. You did. So. I, I thought it was a dramatic pause, or that you're just like, I'm done with the show, and then you were just going to, <laughs> you know, that's it. Like, you went outside to go play hide-and-go-seek, and I never saw you again, you know? So, yeah. so um, yeah. it, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I had a hard drive failure. Everything is a nightmare right now, but we're up and running, so that's all that matters. <laughs> Everything is a nightmare right now. That's should be the tagline for the show welcome to strange highways everything is a nightmare right now yeah it, it's fine we're here we're recording we're talking about twilight zone mm-hmm. uh all as it should be i'm drinking a beer that doesn't taste like it should taste like it's it's pretty good i mean it could be worse right i guess i could just be drinking other things was we yeah you yeah. could be drinking a uh, malt liquor drink that i <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. ill-advised uh purchase from the gas station <laughs> down the street from my house is there ever but. good like uh gas station purchases like I, I like i mean you it might scratch that itch of like you know i want something maybe maybe just gas for the car <laughs> you could buy water too i guess that also works um but i guess some would say that's probably bad i mean we should probably be driving electric cars but yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's fair right so i guess i i guess it's all about how you perceive things so anyway uh this episode uh is is also kind of about, a good segue yeah, it is actually <laughs> this episode is a uh, kick the can uh season three episode 21 air date may 9th 1962 number one film is sergeant's uh, three february 9th oh sorry what, what did i say did i say may so, may oh pff, whatever it, it's it's I don't know words anymore. It's it's yeah February 9th, 1962. And I actually, it's in my notes, February. I don't know why I said May. Uh, number one film is Sarge's Three uh, in February. Uh, it's a comedy Western that was the final pairing of all the original Rat Pack. Uh, was not widely available after its release until 2008. And people thought it was one of the lost Sinatra films. And it, it's kind of middling at best. But I guess the one bit of trivia about it is that all the Rat Pack films had a number in the title. So that's kind of cool, I guess. So pretty yeah. nice. I've uh, actually I, I've been listening to a lot of Sinatra recently. It's kind of been spurring me to maybe after the new year, go through some of the Rat Pack films. Well, so. you, you can find Sergeant's three now for it's been available for 10 years. So, yeah, uh, perfect. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little late to the game, but I'll get to it. Uh, number one song is Peppermint Twist by Joey D and the Starlighters. Uh, so um, I couldn't find anything on the ninth. Uh, February 9th, that is. There's probably plenty of things on May 9th. Uh, so February 10th at 8.52 a.m. local time, captured American spy pilot uh, Francis Gary Powers was exchanged and captured uh, for captured Soviet spy Rudolf Abel in Berlin at the uh, I can't say that right, bridge between Wannessee and Potsdam. 
Powers had been shot down over Russia. Uh, earlier in April, had been arrested in New York in 57. Uh, Frederick L. Pryor, 28-year-old American student who had been arrested in East Berlin on August 25th, was released as part of this deal as well. I mention this because this is actually the event that that Spielberg film from like two or three years ago, Bridge of Spies, was based on. So oh. um, this actually happened, and you know that's what the film was based on. And Tom Hanks got another great starring role, which I've not seen Bridge of Spies. I've heard amazing things about it. I just haven't gotten to it. Um, also, yeah, surprisingly, with me being so into espionage films and everything, I still haven't gotten to that either. Yeah. So. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fix that soon. Yeah. Right. Uh, also, on this uh, date, February 10th, uh, Cliff Burton of Metallica was born, and you know what's he up to these days? Uh, Metallica. <laughs> no, no, I said Cliff Burton of Metallica. So what's he up to these days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, g- gone too soon, Mister Burton. But you were born this day. We won't talk about yep, what happened. Sorry. Later. Yeah. <laughs> My Metallica knowledge is, I guess, not up to snuff. Oh so. no, Cliff Burton was the was he was the original bassist that died in the bus crash in the 80s. If I oh, okay. Right. Yeah. All right. I probably why, knew that. Why do I know that and you don't know that? That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly am not that big of a Metallica fan. Like I I like some of their music. I just don't know much about them. Well, I mean, I'm not a big fan either. I just I mean, whatever. Anyway, so that I I brought it up because I thought maybe you'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Otherwise, you're like, sorry. <laughs> By the way, Cliff Burton's dead. I don't know if you know that or not. I just want to let you what? know. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, starting off good. All right. So, yeah, that's all I got for uh, for day and date and uh, all that stuff for the correct date of February. All right. So we'll jump into cast and crew here. This episode was directed by Lamont Johnson, who we first talked about on the episode The Shelter. He also directed the episodes Five Characters in Search of an Exit, Nothing in the Dark, and One More Paul Bear. And we will talk about him three more times in the mm-hmm. future of the Twilight Zone series. But if you want to go hear us talk about his career, you can go back to our episode covering the shelter. Uh, this episode was written by George Clayton Johnson. So we we have a, a pretty heavy hitting team going on between Lamont Johnson and George Clayton Johnson. Yeah, the team of Johnson uh, and Johnson here. Yeah, after yeah Johnson and Johnson. Um, after a few, a few teleplays that he wrote that... Uh, not necessarily didn't get accepted that just never made it to screen. This was his, I guess, technically his final teleplay he did for the series. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about him one more time out. I think it's season five, but there's kind of a questionable history with that episode. He ended up taking his name off of it. And I, um, I can't remember the name he ended up being credited as, but there were so many issues going on with the episode. He just said, I don't, I don't even want credit for it. (laughs) So this technically, uh, by George Clayton Johnson's wishes, wishes, uh, this was his final episode with the twilight zone. Hmm. Um, I mean, he, and he's been a significant contributor too. So that's, uh, yeah. And, and somebody who's, he wasn't necessarily as well established as like Charles Beaumont or um, Matheson. any other Matheson or any of the other like big writers outside of Serling that have taken on doing episodes for the show. So he was kind of like that underdog. And it was it was always exciting because you never quite knew what you were going to get for from him because mm-hmm. he doesn't have a huge body of work like a lot of the other writers. So I'm kind of bummed to see him go. But at least he's going out on kind of a high note here. Just tip my hat. Yeah. Um, and also just, uh, uh, you probably picked up on this, but portions of, uh, Bernard Herman's walking distance score are used in this episode. Um, you know, I mean purposely so, but it makes sense in the, for the theme of that episode and the theme of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's stock music. Um, but you can definitely tell it's Bernard Herman stuff and it works very well for mm-hmm. this episode. So, Nothing against that. Still a great score, uh, even though it's not necessarily made for this episode. Yeah. Um, So cast, we have uh, Ernest Truex, who plays Charles Whitley, who he was somebody who uh, started working as a stage actor in like probably like 1911, 1912 or so. And they called him like the youngest Shakespeare. (laughs) So as a child actor, he was a... uh, he was doing like these Shakespeare performances that were blowing people away, ended up making the transition into silent film. And 
uh, eventually made his way into uh, quote unquote talkies <laughs> and uh, worked pretty much his entire life, ended up dying in 1973. So about a decade after this episode had aired and uh, uh, a fun thing, I guess not fun, but weird that it was in his trivia was he was <laughs> cremated and his ashes were scattered somewhere in California, somewhere <laughs> like like some like if they reveal the location either like california will send a bill to the estate or you can go find it you can just like they don't want to reveal where it's at because you can go find him right now it um, was <laughs> it was in the water supply, uh, the water supply. you've been drinking ernest uh, truex for the, the past 50 years there's the, a beat to shit tin can that's just full of his ashes sitting by a tree <laughs> that his son left because he just couldn't be bothered otherwise is what <laughs> yeah yeah he had a lot of problems going on so he couldn't be bothered yeah. to deal with yeah them. you know anyway, uh, he, he's actually also he was padat in uh season one episode 12 what you need he was the old oh, man yeah. with all the items and yeah. Yeah, like, and it was one of those things where I was watching this episode. I'm like, that guy looks familiar. And then, again, much like last episode, where the lead was in a first season episode playing, a, you know, two different characters and doing very well, I recognized the face, and he was very different in what you need. And this one, he was much more animated. So, it took me a while before I, like, it honestly, it took me looking through the, like, checking out his credits to realize that was him. But yeah, he's, we've seen him before. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Usually uh, I catch those kind of things, but at least we got to touch on the fact that his ashes were scattered somewhere in California this time. <laughs> somewhere in California. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we did not get into that. Um, we we yeah. were we were so uncultured and uneducated back then in season one. So, <laughs> Hey, if, if anyone ever asks you about Ernest Truex in the future, you can be like, hey, did you know that they scatters, scattered his ashes somewhere? Somewhere in California, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, you know so much about the Twilight Zone. Uh, <laughs> did you, uh, brief aside, and I promise I'll keep it to a minimum, <laughs> did you know that Disneyland has a problem with people sneaking in, rel- like, you know, and like like dead relatives' ashes to spread there? Like, they, it's it's a problem, because everybody wants to have their ashes spread in Disney, one of the Disney parks, so it's like, that's something they huh? have to be on the lookout for, is dead people ashes in the park. Oh, you just gave me an idea now. So, uh, haunted mansion. Yes, <laughs> I want to be in the ballroom forever. I want to do the Tower of Terror and just like at the top, like someone tried to dump me up. Is, is that thing corrupt. still there? Uh, there. So there's two Tower of Terrors. Well, there were two. Um, I didn't know this because whenever they talked about converting the one into a Guardians of the Galaxy themed ride, that's yeah. I like Guardians of the Galaxy and that's great. But in, in Disney, also since they own that outright, like why not do that? And and since uh, Twilight Zone is owned by CBS, so it's kind of like a joint deal. There is a Tower of Terror still in one of the parks because there's one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast, and one got converted to the Guardians, the Galaxy Breakout. So oh, there's okay. still it is still out there. It's just there were two. Nice. Well, uh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, if we die in a bus accident, much like <laughs> our uh, <laughs> our friend from Dead, Cliff Burton. Um, you can spread her ashes. Did I get his name wrong? No, you you did. I was just like, I thought you were calling back to the Twilight Zone. I'm like, oh, yeah, Cliff Burton, yeah. No, yep, if, we, yep. if we both happen to die on a nationwide tour for the Twilight, <laughs> for the Strange Highways, uh, our <laughs> listeners, please get a hold of our ashes, take us to the top, <laughs> and just let them go. So, you know what? I'd actually, I'm kind of okay if I go out like that, because that means we're doing a bus tour of the nation talking about the trolley. So, I mean, things are going pretty good. I mean, maybe not airplane good, but pretty good. So, yeah. you know what? I'll accept that fate if I get to enjoy the ride up to that point. No pun intended. <laughs> right up. Yeah, yeah I was going to say up to the top of... Uh... <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Sorry. So anyway. Next up, we have Russell Collins, who plays Ben Conroy. This was his only Twilight Zone appearance and a ton of TV work. And much like a lot of the people in this episode, they were uh, older Hollywood actors and uh, not too much I was familiar with, but uh, a ton of work to their name. So definitely go check them out if uh, you enjoy their performance in this episode. He looked like that old man puppet uh, that, um, oh, what's his face? The ventriloquist that no one likes. Jeff Dunham. He looks like the old man puppet that <laughs> Jeff Dunham uses all the time. Oh, man. I, I'm sure he would be really happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> what? Next up. <laughs> the actor or the puppeteer? I don't know. Like The yeah. actor. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead. He doesn't know he's a puppet. Sorry. Continue, please. <laughs> Maybe he is the puppet. All right. That's morbid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next oh. up, we have John Marley, who plays Sunnyvale Superintendent Cox. 
Uh, he was in The Godfather. He had a pretty memorable scene in The Godfather yes. involving a horse head. Um, he was in Cat Baloo, one other Twilight Zone episode, and two episodes of Hawaiian Eye. Perfect. I made I made a note to make sure that we would talk about that. Nice. And then we have Hank Patterson, who plays Free Tag, who was uh, had a very long reoccurring role in Green Acres, and he was in two other future episodes of The Twilight Zone. So, um, the, the, yeah, he I. I didn't watch Green Acres or Petticoat Junction. That that was before my time. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so I guess his character was so so loved they had of him on all these shows, but he was uh, almost deaf when doing those, that character. So the note I have here is uh, he was in his late 70s and almost deaf. So the producers would have um, his, uh, what was it, his dialogue coach lying on the floor out of the shot, tapping his leg with a yardstick as a cue for him to speak his lines. Oh, so, man. Yeah. So credit yeah, to them uh, and credit to him. Needless to say, yeah. they had some uh, they had some uh, older actors in this episode. Yeah, but I mean credit because I mean if you're doing the show and he's a popular character and all the time, credit to him to to know how to you know deliver his lines in a believable manner, not waiting for someone to slap your leg and say speak. You know, so I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next up, we have Earl Hodgins who plays Ag, and. Uh, he, this was his only Twilight Zone episode. He actually passed away in 1964, two years after this episode. Uh, ton of westerns. The guy had 355 credits to his mm. name. So one of those character actors that just uh, uh, worked a ton, but you probably never recognize his face. Yeah, all I put down was lots of westerns and uncredited in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Couldn't tell you where because he's uncredited. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, but 355 credits. I mean, that's a that's a career. Yeah, absolutely. Like, definitely. That's amazing. Uh, we have Marjorie Bennett, who plays Mrs. Summers. She was in quite a bit of stuff. She was in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Uh, she did a voice for 101 Dalmatians. She had a bit part in Mary Poppins. One episode of the Night Gallery, the original Ocean's Eleven with the Rat Pack. So there's a little callback there. And then we possibly talked about her back in the episode the chaser she played old woman i think she was in line for the payphone or she was the one on the payphone no no she was the one in front of the main character because she was about to use the payphone and he, she was like i'm next and he's like i need to get in you know be next and he bribed her to get into that i yeah. think that's what that's who yeah. she was so i can't remember if we talked about her or not when we did that mm. but um uh, she was definitely there and she'll be in one future episode of the twilight zone yeah so, uh, and then we'll just kind of ramble through the next of these. Please interrupt if you have any anything else to say about them. But we have Lenore uh, Shane Wise, who plays Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Densley. Densley. Yeah. This is her only Twilight Zone, Zone appearance. Uh, we have Anne O'Neill, who plays Mrs. Wister. This is also her only Twilight Zone appearance. So Lenore and Shane Wise, I'm just going to mention this. You probably own this movie because every time I think you've never heard of something, you have seven copies of it. Uh, 1971's The Brotherhood of Satan. Um, the tagline for tagline, or sorry, the byline for this is a family is trapped in a desert town by a cult of senior citizens who recruit the town's children to worship Satan. I need to watch this movie if you own it. Uh, I do. Uh, <laughs> I actually bought it at. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I actually bought it at Walmart, uh, uh, Mill Creek, the company that does all like the really cheap Blu-rays and DVDs and everything. You can get like the 50 packs or 100 packs of movies. They put out a two-pack Blu-ray with Mr. Sardonicus and Brotherhood of Satan on it. So I do have that on Blu-ray, in fact, and it is an okay movie. (laughs) But definitely, uh, if if you want to check it out, I will let you borrow it because it's... It's some, there's some fun to be had there. Oh, spectacular. Sure. I just, I just like, I just threw a dart and I was right. So that was, that was best. Um, yeah. I just yeah. love like every once in a while you dig through that bin at Walmart and you find some, uh, you find some gems in there. You wouldn't expect to find. That's true. Yeah. So, um, and you mentioned, Oh, the, the other lady, I don't have anything for her. Um, I have Eve McVeigh. She was the night nurse. Um, yep. So I just want to mention that one of two appearances in the Twilight Zone, her last appearance was on Square One. If you remember that show, it's the PBS educational show that dealt with math, that had nope. uh, MathNet and MathMan. 
Okay. I somehow missed that one. Well, you're you're younger than me by quite a bit, which we'll talk about that later. Um, that we'll take something for the future. Uh, I just remember watching that like in school. So not not her in particular, but you know the square one. Uh, and then the other credit I have too is Barry Truix, which is playing Charles' son, his actual <laughs> son. So Ernest's actual son played his son in this uh, episode. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyone else in this was uncredited oh, uh, or Burt had Mustin. a very small role? Uh, Burt Mustin was Carlson. Uh, he was. We saw him in Night of the Meek. Couldn't tell you where, but I just. I it was. Uh, he was credited as old man, <laughs> uh, much like Marjorie Bennett as old woman yeah. in uh, the Chaser. Yeah. Uh, so that's very descriptive. So I just yeah. There you go. That's yeah. That's all I got. bunch of a bunch of older people that did a lot of things that we've not seen. So there you go. Yeah, not to diminish their work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is fair. But, you know, probably a lot of the stuff that they're in might be lost to time. We don't know. So we're just going to assume that and that we're not bad people. Um, all right. Yeah, that's all I got for, for, for Cass, though. Yep, that's all I got. So uh, let's let Serling take it away. Sunnyvale Rest, a home for the aged, a dying place and a common children's game called Kick the Can. It will shortly become a refuge for a man who knows he will die in this world if he doesn't escape into the twilight zone. A home of the aged. Yeah, and I got I got really excited. I thought we were going to watch an episode of Trailer Park Boys when I heard Sunnyvale, it, but it was not. I um <laughs> I I'm not. I mean, I know of Trailer Park Boys. I've not actually seen an episode. I, everyone, everyone, from what I see, that seems like something to be right up my alley. I just not watched it. It's fun. I mean, every season's kind of the same thing, but they live in Sunnyvale Trailer Park. <laughs> so as soon as I saw Sunnyvale come up, I got kind of excited. But <laughs> yeah, every every season's kind of the same thing. They get out of jail. They come up with these schemes that make money. And they go back to jail. And then next season, they get out of jail. They come up with schemes. They go back to jail. So it, it's fun. The character the characters are kind of lovable. So it's one of those things where you don't really care that it's the same thing. You just want to see more of them. So is that like your favorite Canadian like comedy, like low key Canadian comedy? Um, I mean, I guess I can't think of too many other ones the, outside of like Degrassi. I, the, the Red Green <laughs> show for me is always my favorite. I don't know yeah, what Red, it is. Red Green's awesome, which I, I think we've mentioned that like an episode or two ago. <laughs> Maybe. <but> um, <laughs> it, they're actually coming to like uh, Columbus or somewhere near us. As like part of a tour in the oh. next couple months. Well, that might have to happen because you know I, I know yeah. But anyway, we're we're not talking about Red Green because that'd be way too many episodes <laughs> to get into. Um, you know, we we have a bunch of duct tape just in case. Uh, so yeah, let's get into, let's get into this one. Uh, Will the duct tape fix my old hard drive? <laughs> it could, <laughs> or it could just be set to explode like most of uh, the things they make with uh, uh, duct tape. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll let you start this because just whatever. Um, yeah. Where, where, where are we before Rod uh, wanders from the woods to give us our intro? Yeah. So we open on the Sunnyvale uh, retirement home and you get kind of the interior shot of there's an old man walking around. And eventually we it pans across the downstairs towards the steps and you see this old man who ends up being uh, Charles or Charlie. He's coming down the steps with the suitcase and he sees the nurse walking by and he kind of acts weird. She walks away and he continues to go down and uh, he find out that his son's coming to pick him up and he's going to take him out of this place. So all the other old folks at the home are like, oh, good luck. Good luck. Good for you. And he goes outside and he gets in the car. Everything seems everything. Uh, it kind of seems like it's too good to be true. Well, because you can see too. his son getting out of the car to almost be like, what, like to say hi or whatever. But then his dad just gets in the car and it's like, and then they have to take off. Like, it's yeah. very, yeah. It, it, neither of them say anything to each other, but yeah. like just, just the music and everybody, how excited they are to see him leave. It just, I almost felt like it was going to end up being a dream or something. Because mm -hmm. uh, I had never seen this episode, surprisingly, previous to this. Yeah, I, I had not either. I mean, we, you know, we, we have familiar familiarity with it, which we'll talk about probably a little later. Um, yeah, 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 definitely with the with the movie and everything. Yeah. Um, but I had never actually seen the original. Yeah, episodes. neither have I. Uh, so as he's getting as the car's getting ready to pull away, the, the, it stops. And there's a, you know, a, a, a brief conversation of like, you know, 
the son telling the dad, it's like, you know, because the dad's like, well, you're supposed to take me, you know, we're supposed to go. And he's like, well, we're going to talk about it. And so, you know, the dad's kind of like, all right, fine. And he gets out of the car and waves his son away. But in the meantime, like on the hillside, did you see like how all the kids just came like rolling and like a mass down the hillside? Like it reminded me of World War Z with all the bodies come tumbling (laughs) down the hill. Like it was, it was weird, right? Well, am I, I'm not wrong. It was a weird, like, like small tidal wave of children coming over that hillside. Like it was odd. I mean, they didn't create like a tidal wave and, uh, no, they, come they down like a humid, the car or anything, they, but they, it, they definitely reached I mean, for a helicopter in the creepy. distance. Yeah, no, um, it was just, I don't know. It was like so sudden. It was like, I don't know, a kid wave coming down the hill and they were all happy. Um, yeah. So yeah. they're playing kick the can, the, uh, classic game that apparently I was too young to play. Cause I had never played kick the can as a child. So did you play as an adult? Have you ever played kick the can? Uh, no, I have never played it. <laughs> What I, I, I can mean, safely say I've never, I mean, I probably kicked a can. <laughs> I don't think it's ever been a game, but <laughs> so there wasn't like a, a really sweet skateboard trick called kick the can or something. There wasn't like that. No. Okay. There's a, I mean, there's a can can. I don't, I, nah, <laughs> and, that's, and, I think that's more motocross, but and a, and a, and a, <laughs> a kick flip. Right. So, um, yeah, no, like I kick the can. Like if you, if you've not played it, I think the whole thing, it's like, it's kind of like hide and go seek where someone who's it, is trying to go find people that are hiding. And then the whole thing is that they have to escape where they're hiding or up and kick the can and then they're safe. So like, basically like, you know, if you're asleep at the wheel and you're it and these guys come up and kick the can, then you, you can't catch them. So if you have to catch people before they kick it, I think that's the, the rules of the game. Okay. I mean, I, think I mean, I, we played, we played capture the flag and stuff. Like yeah. we played that. So I just, I don't know. It just, it just shows how back then no one had money and that a simple can is what you're going to spend your entire summer messing with. So I think that's the lesson is that it was very boring back then. Yeah, that it's 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 something that, like you said, it doesn't require money. So it's a very juvenile uh childish thing to do, you know, just to mm-hmm. play with it. It's it. I, I shouldn't say childish, but like. Well, kids can take anything and turn it into a game, you know. That, exactly. That's, so and, and, exactly, it's so, it's just one of those things where it's just an adult doesn't see the fun with a piece of trash on the ground, <laughs> but a child has a whole game and a whole system worked out with it. So it's it's one of those things that uh, um, it just kind of represents the uh, the youth of a child, yeah, playing a game like that. So so yeah, uh, after. Um, after senior um, Whitley uh, is left to the roadside, he sees these kids start to play and he just walks over and just grabs that can and starts staring at it. And the kids are like, Hey, that's ours. And he does not give it back to them. No. And he goes as far as to sit down and hold it and (laughs) cradle it. So the kids can't have it back. (laughs) And it's a, it's a sad moment because everybody in the rest homes watching him and he's kind of just like, you know, contemplating everything, but he definitely does not give that can back to those kids. Um, and, yeah. that, and that's when Rod just comes walking out of the woods, which I love. I love. I love him walking out of the woods. It's yeah, like just like brushing the leaves out of his face. <laughs> like, yeah, like <laughs> I've I, been here for days. Like, I wish I wish the transition would have been him walking by and throwing a cigarette in the can and just introducing the episode. Like, uh, so as <laughs> he Charles puts it out in the can <laughs> yeah. as the guy's like crying over it. <laughs> <laughs> I just think like, like, you know, he's just looking down and then Rod just stubs out his button and starts giving the introduction. That's what I want. It would never happen, but I was kind of hoping, but yeah, yeah. anyway, but sorry. this is the point of the episode where I, I wrote down the magic is, uh, or the music is magical mm-hmm. in this episode. Cause, um, like you said, it is stock music, but it fits so perfectly for this episode and, um, it really sets the tone. And I, I think even before I knew that magic was going to be a recurring theme in this episode, um, I think that's the perfect word. And it's the perfect music for an episode that deals with magic. Mm-hmm. No, it was good. So, and certainly intro is good too. Sometimes his short and to the point ones I, I prefer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely his, his opening narration and his closing narration are sweet and to the point and it's perfect. Yeah. It hits it right on the head. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't feel like he's trying to make up for uh, terrible writing or anything. <laughs> it looks like he knows that the story is going to speak for itself. So he just gives it like the perfect amount. Yeah. 
So then um, um, that's that's your uh, chapter break or whatever. So we cut back into Sunnyvale, and um, and Charles is uh, sitting on the bed. Like, um, is he, I think he's sitting in the bed kind of like thinking about things. This one we meet, uh, old Ben Conroy, uh, grouchy man puppet. I like him. I like, I, his voice is great. I just like his voice and he's just kind yeah. of like this grouchy man. He's, and, yeah. He's like the perfect curmudgeon old man. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's just angry constantly during this episode. Looking out the window, the kids are just having fun innocently. He's like, those kids are too loud. No one can even think or whatever he says. He's just, yeah. Angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Charles ends up, he's defending the kids and he's like, ah, you, you got to remember being a kid like that and doing the same things. And, uh, it comes back to the fact that his son ended up leaving him there mm-hmm. again. And he still defends his son saying like, ah, oh, he's got enough problems and, uh, I, I don't want to be a bother for him and everything. And it comes back around to kick the can. Yeah. Well, in the meantime though, did you notice that, uh, Ben, takes the pillow out, like, out of a pillowcase and starts opening some box by the bedside and putting items in it. So I don't know if it's like, he's just like doing like getting his items together for the laundry. It's never stated because it's not important to the episode. I just imagine him stealing people from other people, like stealing things from people as he's talking. Cause it looks like he's just like taking items and putting it in a pillowcase for later. It just never gets into it. But I'm like, is Ben stealing everything as he's talking to his friend? Um, Go back and watch the episode. He's definitely stealing things <laughs> from that uh, that uh, old person home. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, well, I, I don't feel bad for him now. At the end of the episode. <laughs> so so Charles is kind of just basically saying, you know, hey, kids play games, and they they they're kids, and he's like, do you think that the moment kids stop playing is the moment they start growing up? Like he has this theory in his head that the moment you stop playing and enjoying life, you that's when you age. Um, you know, so he's getting, it sounds philosophical, right? He's more like waxing nostalgic about it. And Ben's just like yeah, basically and, saying he's an idiot. Yeah. And he's, he's talking about like, do you believe in magic? You know, um, and you find out that they have been friends since they were kids and then like, what happened to you? And that's why you get that the little bit from the intro of our episode where he's talking about like, you know, we grew up, people grow up. Uh, it's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charles believes that it's just a way of looking at things. It's a way of thinking and that, um, even though you're getting older, like it's all just in your mind, you can still stay young if you just think, and yeah, uh, think that you're young still. I like how what Ben says to him. He's like, you lived a full life, Charles. Don't go sloppy now. I like the idea of like, yeah, <laughs> he just says, don't go sloppy. I said like, pull yourself together, man. You've had a, you've had a long life. Like, I like that. Um, so then that, that goes from there to, uh, to Ben, uh, tattling on his friend, uh, with, um, oh, Mr. Uh, who, who's the guy who's the doctor, Mr. Cox, Mr. Cox, superintendent, superintendent. He immediately goes off the tattle to him and, uh, and, and superintendent Cox is like, well, you know, it's one of these things where sometimes when you get older, you, people start acting a little weird and anytime anybody, you know, starts to lose it, it's kind of sad around here. And he's like, well, you know, Mr. A.G., you know, he has his problems with the firecrackers and he's like mentioned all this stuff. And he was like, look at me. He's like, I've been here for 10 years. I'm 43. And I'm like, holy shit, you're 43. Like, <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh my God, what's, what's I'm, I just turned 40. Am I going to turn into a, a weathered catcher's mid of a face in like two years? I was terrified when he said that. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of times I watch old movies and I'm like, oh, that guy's supposed to be like 23. I'm like, I feel like I look younger than what <laughs> people in some movies looked like at like 23, 25 in some of those movies. Like you go back and watch some of the film noirs and everything. And like I've, I've been watching film noirs and stuff most of my life and realizing that I'm older than the main characters in those. I just don't believe it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that that's it's just crazy to think that like, you know, uh, my parents are, uh, you know, 30 years older than that. And I don't even think of them as really being that old anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think the fact that like we don't constantly spend our days out in the sun and we're not surrounded by cigarette smoke. 
I think that, you know, tends to not make us leathery as we get a little older. So, but it's just one of those things for the guys like, I'm 43 and I'm like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, They're going to have to put me in the nursing home soon. That's true. But you know, you do have a problem with firecrackers, so I don't know if they put up with you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, the superintendent's like, you know, if he, if he's do, acting like this, um, basically he, he, if people start acting out, it's because they're older and maybe they'll need a different, a, you know, more attention and more care. Um, so it's like, basically the eye is now on our main character that he's starting to think differently. If he starts acting weird, we're going to think it's just because he's getting old and and he's getting sloppy. So that, that's what we're getting from that moment. Yeah. So then as they leave the office, you see that Charles is running around acting like a kid. He's knocking things over, uh, messing with people. Getting sloppy. And, uh, yeah. 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 Getting <laughs> sloppy and senile. <laughs> no, but he pushes a wheelchair or whatever, you want, whatever that ancient chair was. And he's just like, you know, just being goofy. And he walks around trying to get people to react. And like the one guy was asleep and he just kind of like blows a raspberry at him and walks around. And like, he's just trying to get like some reaction. Cause like the very beginning, we talked about this, seeing people just kind of walking around this, like, you know, this rest home and they're just, there's nothing on their faces. They're sitting in chairs. They're staring at fireplaces. Like they're just, they're counting the minutes until they're out of this world. And he, and yeah. He and he says, yeah. uh, he's just trying to get people to show some life. Yeah. Like, cause they, they are just walking around like they're zombies. There's, there's nothing to them, you know? And so he's just trying to get some fun going on and he's trying to get people to recall what they did in their youth. And he brings up running through sprinklers and they happen to have the sprinklers going in the yard outside of uh, Sunnyvale. So he runs out there and he's running through the sprinkler and everything. And people are horrified <laughs> that he's doing this. Like the one, uh, the one woman, I'm not quite sure which one it was. She, she looked terrified that he was out there doing that. Yeah. It's, so he's, it's almost like doing like a little dance with the sprinkler. He's like, you know, rubbing his face. And I put in my notes, all in caps. He's a madman. Like, cause everyone, like they're looking at him like you can't, you can't go out there. You're going to drown or whatever. Like basically they're worried. Oh no, he's exposed to moisture dear lord someone throw him a rope you know like type of thing (laughs) oh i i wonder if anyone's ever drowned in a sprinkler (laughs) like (laughs) like by dancing in it i don't know i mean no i mean like i mean you would have to like trip with your mouth on the sprinkler (laughs) like (laughs) i'm sure that's probably happened in a final destination film that i've not seen you know, like someone yeah. was on a slip and slide saying, I don't believe in fate. And then they end up drowning on the slip and slide. That's probably what I happened. mean. That makes more sense because like if there's a divot in the ground, there's going to be a puddle in the slip and slide. But like a sprinkler, like I don't know how you drown. You'd have to fall with your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, people are horrified. <laughs> uh, they try and stop him. Superintendent Cox runs out after. uh after uh, Ben tells on him. I, I like that like, Superintendent Cox is like, I was afraid something like this would happen. I'm like, really? In all your training, it's like the first sign of senility is dancing in sprinklers. Is that what they taught you in school? Yeah. Like, it's like, some. oh my God, somebody is happy. Like, this is insane. We have oh. to stop this. If you see so evidence I, I of the scared. Charleston. I thought he was yeah. going to tackle him when he runs yeah. out there. Yeah. Like, he was pretty rough with him. I'm like, this is worse than him standing in the sprinkler water. It's like, I knew it was going to be this or him playing jacks. I knew it was going to be one of the two. We were waiting for this to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, they go grab him and he, you know, basically he's just like, you know, he, he's just trying to prove his point of like, you know, you're as young as you feel. Right. And, but then the yeah. superintendent's like, I might have to put him in isolation and under, under observation. And then Ben realizing the error of his ways as he, after stolen, stealing everything out of the retirement home, he was like, Oh, <laughs> that'll kill him. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> way to go snitching on him, Ben. There you go. And then I, now your friends want to get like put away the way to go. Yeah. So, uh, Ben and Charles have a conversation after that. And he's like, they think you're senile. They're going to put you away and everything like you got to use your head. You got to you got to prove that you're not senile. Like you got you just got to calm down. uh, Think about things sensibly. But when he says use your head, uh, he ends up looking at the can that he stole from the children playing outside. (laughs) Yeah. And and Um, so, yeah. 
I like that no, the kid sorry. was right by an ashtray. Like, I just feel like they were one and the same, but whatever. Anyway, like how how bad do you think that place smelled with all the access to cigarettes and just old people? Like, I, can you just tell me? <laughs> it, it probably didn't smell good. That that's something I was thinking of while watching this. It's not the right thought, but it was a thought. Yeah. Um. So while everyone's <laughs> sleeping that night. <laughs> Charles, uh, Charles ends up getting out of bed and he wakes everyone up except for Ben. Yeah. Um, he keeps Ben asleep and he wants everyone to go outside and play kick the can. So everyone's kind of confused, but kind of excited by it. And I love there's the one uh, the one character uh, probably age. I think it was AG. He was he repeated twice during the segment that he was the fastest runner on the block. Yeah, I thought that was very funny because he said it the first time. And then like 30 seconds later, he's like, did I say I was the fastest runner on the block? (laughs) Yeah, because it was like one of those things where uh, um, uh, Charles was like kind of like, oh, you know, basically like getting everybody like, when was the last time he did this? What do you miss? And he's trying to tell them like, you know, you don't have to be old. And then this poor guy showing evidence of like, you know, a severe problem. And he's like, nah. and he moves on from it real quick. It's <laughs> yeah. funny. It, well, it's it, funny. Cause it's like, you feel like Charles is thinking like, I'm making progress with these people. They're ready. <laughs> yeah. And then that happens. And you just see the look in his face. Like, man, maybe he's not ready. <laughs> like, it's kind of a funny moment. I also I like it whenever uh, they're all like, Oh, the, the superintendent will be upset if we're like, you know, doing this. And he's like, he'd probably say being awake is dangerous to our health. I'm like, yeah, that's probably also fair. I thought that was a funny line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at this point, Ben ends up getting up and he finds out what's going on. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And he's basically saying, like, you know, your mind might be young, but your bones are old. You're going to hurt yourself if you're running around and everything. And that's when we get the reoccurring theme of magic in this episode. And Charles says, like, you, there is magic in this world. Like the when I fell in love with my wife, when my son is born, uh, friendship, uh, it's all magic. Uh, there's got to be other magic in the world. So he ends up leaving without Ben and uh, all the other old people are sneaking around the house and there's a nurse on duty. So they're trying to figure out a way to distract her. And of course, AG with the problem with firecrackers yeah. is the perfect distraction. I called so this uh, back to that. I called this moment, the dirty old half dozen, cause they're all kind of waiting like up by the stairwell and looking down and they have a plan and they all got to work together. And so, yeah, he just lights the firecrackers, which don't sound like firecrackers, but he drops them out the window to draw the attention of the night nurse and uh, the superintendent, who looks like he may be sleeping in his office. I don't know, um, but <laughs> he's there late, you know, which I mean, this is old person's home. It could be five and five in the evening. We don't know. It could be just like, you know, just a, a, a one of those uh, early winter days where everybody's running around in robes. But yeah, it, the, the dirty half yeah. dozen are successful. Should- yeah. Sorry, there's a lot of little callbacks in this episode. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of little callbacks, like the firecrackers. They mentioned it earlier on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's another character where they talk about senility uh, earlier on in the episode and everything. I think it may have been with AG as well that end up coming into play later in the episode that it seems like little throwaway lines, but it ends up getting brought up again. And it just, it, it's really well. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a well thought out yeah. twenty twenty two minute episode. Like I was I was really impressed this, with the firecrackers coming back in this one. Yeah, I, I was too. When I saw that happen, I was like, that was a nice like they set it up and it happened. And so, uh, so everybody- like, and if if you stop paying attention for like literally a second, you would have missed that. Mm-hmm. You would have been confused of where that came from. But it's it, credit to. Uh, um, uh, George Clayton Johnson. Like this is a really well written episode. It just implies that this gentleman was caught with firecrackers and punished, and then somehow he still has like an outside source for firecrackers. <laughs> I like that. That he has an itch for firecrackers, and he, he just he has a problem, but it helps out tonight. So, so yeah, they're distracted. Uh, the staff is distracted. All you know, so Charles and company. Uh, Charles, who is in charge, takes everybody outside. Uh, and they start playing kick the can. And this is this is probably my favorite part of the episode is that you hear this commotion outside. And as the superintendent and Ben are walking onto the porch, you hear the voices of the older people playing kick the can transition into younger voices. But you see uh, like two or three kids run by the camera real fast and they run off a frame. So then and then from that point, you, all you hear is the sound of kids playing this game. 
and the superintendent wanders off in a different direction and Ben sees a couple kids that are starting to play the game and he's starting to put two and two together. Yeah. So Mr. Cox ends up walking away yelling at the kids and everything, but Ben ends up walking towards one child in particular and recognizes that it's Charlie as a yeah. child. Cause you remember earlier on the episode again with a great callback that they have been friends since they were kids. Yeah. And he sees so, them. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So he recognizes Charlie and he pleads with him. He was like, Oh my God, like please take me with you. Like, I can't believe this actually is happening. Um, so it, the kids end up running away and everything. And Ben picks up the can as the superintendent's running around looking for the old people. He just says, like, you're not going to find them and slowly walks back towards the house. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much the end of the episode. Yeah. It's um, Ben realizing that, like, Charlie was right is, I mean, it's appropriate and thematic to the episode. It's just also sad where it's like he realized too late and he was ready you know, at that point, now that he sees that it works, he's ready to be a kid again, you know, and it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's all very, it's not heavy, but it's like you get the point across, but the, the, his performance is really good there where he just has that regret of like, I should have, I should have, uh, listened. And it was, it was, um, a nice, a nice button to the episode. Yeah. I felt bad for him until he brought up the point that he's been stealing from all the other people in the, <laughs> in the home. That's my theory. Uh, I mean, you know, I could be wrong. I probably am, but it's what it really looked like is that maybe he was snitching on everybody so they could be put in like, you know, solitary confinement so they could just steal their stuff. I don't know. Um, you know, like, like Charlie wanted to play, like play games, recapture his youth. And Ben just wanted to capture everybody's stuff. Maybe that's what, you know, he should realize that's a boon because those old people aren't coming back. He could just have all their things. I think that, you know, yeah. he's looking at it the wrong way. <laughs> he, he got a sweet can, yeah, but I, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty, uh, it was it was haunting. It was kind of depressing, but also hopeful mm-hmm. in the same way. So I kind of had this like melancholic vibe to the whole episode that uh, I was I was really impressed with. It was it was sweet and haunting at the same time. Yeah, it was good, and I feel like it was kind of the cure for what ails you after like the last couple that we had. I know that I shouldn't judge this one or the others based upon the episodes surrounding it, but it was just kind of nice to get back to to this, which you know it's. <laughs> Sometimes when the, the Twilight Zone gets more like heartfelt and fantastic, that's in my wheelhouse. So it, this was a nice change of pace. Yeah, and I'm, as much as I lean towards the darker stuff, I feel like I'm starting to get a soft spot for this side of the Twilight Zone. Finally, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's just because we've had so many middling episodes <laughs> during <laughs> this season that getting something that feels mature and like well thought out and well written. And uh, with some sort of heart mm-hmm. and emotion into it, like it really makes an impact when you watch the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, like even the direction in the episode, like it is it shot really well. The uh, stock music is used really well within it. The performances are all fantastic. Um, well, it, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I was I was really impressed with this one. The, even was, though uh, the music wasn't written for this episode, but being specifically from Walking Distance, which was a guy who was frustrated with the modern world and wanted to go back when you know his, when he grew up, like yeah. that that episode was more about a, a sour man trying to say that it was better back then and finding out that maybe that's not the case. Not well, no, not even that. More like you know he doesn't have the right to go back to interfere with his younger self enjoying life. If I remember that was the point of that episode. Um, yeah. But this one, it's more like also it's also looking backwards, but it's more in the sense of you lose something that is easily obtainable if all you got to do is focus on the right things. Maybe you don't become physically younger, but just because you get older doesn't mean that you still can't find the joy in the things that you did before and also the hope, you know, that there's there's something there there is magic, you know, in the sense of in his 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 idea of magic is you know, the love that is had and the experiences that you have. And that's, that's what brings you life. And that's an important thing. Cause I feel like at this time when this came out in like the early sixties, there was still this big thing of like grownups do grown up things and kids do kid things. And you can't have simple enjoyments that you enjoyed growing up. I feel like we're in a much different time now 
where it's still okay to be like, you know, I like this stuff as a kid. I still like it. Like for, for goodness sakes, last, last week before we started recording, I was, I was bitching to you cause I was trying to put stickers on a transformer I bought, you know, like that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, whatever, like I, it was a transformer from when I grew up. I wanted to get it. I bought it and it, will I have the same pure joy that I'd have as a kid? No, but is it enough of an echo where I'm like, I liked this for a reason that I want it near me? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of those things like you got to keep cop like hobbies as you get older. Yeah. Like you, you got to keep those things that uh, again, make you feel young. You got to keep them close to you. It's one of those things that uh, gives you life. And this episode touches on it. And George Clayton Johnson, I was just doing the math. He was 33 when mm-hmm. he wrote this episode. So, I mean, he was on the verge of like middle age. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like he was middle age and he was writing these stories and he wrote multiple episodes that were about people older than he was. And uh, you could tell that he was definitely struggling with that transition into uh, being a full blown adult. Yeah, um, I, um, I didn't have it. I, I read about it, but I didn't put it in the notes here because there's one note I have about him, and it's we'll talk about this in a second about the Twilight Zone, the movie portion of this. Uh, there was some notes about the people that read the script that were older than he was. Were like they're like, they're saying like he he got onto something that like people his age don't really figure out. So they said that was to his credit that he was writing this from a perspective that people don't get to until they get to that age. So there, there was some high praise for his, his approach to this. Yeah, it's, it's really impressive. And he hits on, it's, it's one of those things that is timeless and that no matter when you watch this, it doesn't matter if it's kick the can or if it's playing with GI Joe's or playing a video game from when you were younger, like it, it doesn't matter what the activity was. Like you can apply his sensibilities and the themes in this episode to your own life mm-hmm. and it's relatable forever. And it, I mean, that's, that's a mark of a great story or great teleplay, great screenplay, whatever. And, uh, it, he definitely, he definitely hit upon something in this episode that is special. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you have anything else about the episode in particular. I want to just talk a little bit about the segment and the movie, which I mean, we're going to eventually cover the movie in full, uh, give it time. I feel like we're, we're fast approaching that the point where it might be appropriate. Cause I think we're seeing almost all the stories other than the wing Walker that have yeah. been covered, um, uh, that in the, the movie, but, uh, that's, that's my goal is to get to all the, all the stories that are done in the movie. I want to get to on the episode before we cover it. Well, we have and, to wait um, till season five. I then. really <laughs> wanted to go back. I know. I know. We still got another yeah. year or so. Yeah. Uh, two years or so. Um, but that's that's the end game is to get to the movie. But I really wanted to rewatch the movie just for the segment um, because of this one, because I was I was so excited to get to this. But I just I can't bring myself to rewatch it. Mm hmm. Until we get to the end. So it's, it's been a long time. So I can't speak. I can't speak too sharply on it. It's odd that, um, the first three segments of that film are from season three. And then the last segments from season five that, and, uh, that's, and, and so, and also if you think about it, the, the three stories that we've covered so far, other than it's a good life, which that's, you know, people put that up as the top of their lists. Uh, and I, and I like this one, don't get me wrong. I did. It's just that you would think that if you're putting a movie together, that there's probably a lot of big, big, bigger ones that you probably would have went after. So I wonder, wonder when we get there, why the selection process is what it is at the time. Cause I, yeah. you know, uh, but anyway, so, um, well, I, yeah. I could see this cause uh, Spielberg produced that. Yes. Right. He directed it. So yeah. yeah. I can totally see this story fitting into his kind of style and again, his thematic stuff within his films of, I I mean, how much does he rely on family and the childhood perspective and everything? So I I feel like this is something that would have definitely spoke to Spielberg and probably was a personal favorite of his. That yeah. that would be my guess why this ended up in the movie. Well, I mean, for goodness sake, look look at Ghost Train, which we talked about from Amazing Stories. Like this this isn't too far from that, you know? Yeah. Like, so yeah, it, definitely uh, definitely some parallels between those two. So so I yeah. I I would say this is Spielberg's influence for sure. Taking this and 
getting the rights to do the sequel to this episode for the movie. So George Clayton Johnson was actually surprised whenever uh, Spielberg was like, hey, I want to do this. And uh, so he's like, okay. So they um, they they brought they brought him in to sign a contract because they were using his work for the film. But before he signed a contract with them, he read the original script that they had for the movie, and he brought in three pages of notes to them about the ending of it. And so he said portions of it ended up in the film. He appreciates he made a lot of money from the movie, but he wishes it was different. He didn't really care for the movie version, but he feels that some of his suggestions ended up in it. So that's interesting that his biggest, like, like the thing he can hang his hat on is that Spielberg picked him and his story to be, you know, developed in, in this big, you know, passion project. And this is what people probably most know George Clayton Johnson for in terms of like, you know, in passing and he's not happy with the film version and it doesn't yeah. really get into why he's not happy with it. It's just, he just wasn't pleased with it. I, I'll be honest. I think I kind of like the film one more. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it has, it has, you know, Scatman Carruthers in it. I, I, I love him, you know, like he's so good. Um, yeah. So, well, yeah. Uh, for, from what I hear, he was unhappy also over time with the ending of this episode because he I, he called it irresponsible that uh, all these kids ended up running off at the end of the episode <laughs> with no one to guide them and no one to raise them. So I I mean, that wasn't something I was thinking when I finished this episode. Oh yeah, you know, I like, mean, they 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 were scattered somewhere in California. They won't say where. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that it, only the person who wrote it that has sat with this idea would have even thought of. <laughs> um, but he was unhappy with that, so he was trying to give the episode a nice ending, whereas like some explanation of what happened to the kids after they run off at the end of this. Um, but I guess. It, Spielberg ended up hiring. I, I'm I can't remember the lady's name. Um, hired a writer to come in and kind of touch up the the screenplay for the segment of the movie. And I guess she took a lot of liberties with the script, and that's where a lot of the problems that George Clayton Johnson had with it. So I'm not sure what he ended up wanting to get in to fix the original episode. I don't think a lot of that ended up making it to the final cut of the movie version mm. of it. Sequel, sequel yeah. version, whatever. But, <laughs> um, but credit to him that he was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not happy. Uh, you know, I was like, I'm not ultimately happy about it, but he's like, you know, I've made a lot of money and I've basically, I've made my peace with it. And that's, that's fair. I mean, not that I'm saying that I'd want anything that I created to then be taken and be put on a bigger stage, but not be the way I wanted it. I don't know how I'd feel about it, but if, if it, you know, put me in a comfortable lifestyle, I could probably shut the hell up for a while. (laughs) So, you know, yeah. And I, I I mean, he probably made more money off of kick the can. than he did anything else in his career. I mean, you think maybe uh, more money off of this than Logan's uh, run. I would probably, I'm going to guess, you know? Yeah. And uh, Logan's run in, uh, Ocean's Eleven, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe because he, he was around for he had the 1960 story. So, I Ocean's Eight and everything like well, the Ocean's I mean, Eleven and Twelve and everything he, like all of his characters yeah. in the 2000s uh, sequels and remake of that film. That's fair. Were all credited to him, so he was getting there were checks being cut uh, for those. So that, that might be more yeah, money. Maybe there. Not. Yeah. And he, he, he was around for those original three movies, like the, the, sorry, the remakes or the remake and the two sequels. So yeah, yeah. I he think passed right. away in 2015. So yeah. Uh, oceans 11, 12 and 13 in the two thousands, he was around. So he was getting residuals for those characters. So he probably made uh, more money so. off of that and probably more fame. If you, th- I mean, inadvertent fame, because when you think of those movies, you may not think of him, but goodness sakes, you know, like you, yeah. end up, you end up in a, you end up being the person that created a movie that not only had Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack and originally, you end up having a remake that had, you know, the Hollywood like not elite but eh, a lot of big names in those movies. Yeah. You know, so I mean, between Kick the Can, Logan's Run, and Ocean's Eleven, like that, for the most part, is what people know um, George Clayton Johnson for. So it, I, at some point, you have to come to peace with what happened with that work. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess if someone told me, like, listen, the one thing's not going to go so well, but there's going to be another thing 10 years later that's going to spawn two sequels, and you're going to be, you know, just sitting on, 
you know, getting sloppy money, I'd be like, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, would, I would accept that. <laughs> Especially the last couple of years of your life. Just like, all right, going out. <laughs> <laughs> I am the prime mover. That's I would just go and do whatever I wanted. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, I got nothing else on regards to, to notes about this episode on property. Do you have anything else? No, I just I, I had a good time with it. Right. It was, uh, like I said, well written. Uh, well performed, well directed, just all the other a solid episode of the Twilight Zone. Right. So it, it feels good after the past. Uh, <laughs> I feel like two months of this show. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So let's just let's just rate the twist for for what it is. It's hard for me to judge this one because I'd already seen the film, but the fact that like magic would work on the Twilight Zone, I gave it a three. Yeah, I was I'm right there with you. Uh, I wrote down three because uh, you can definitely see it coming. The yeah. whole episode, he's hinting towards it. The whole episode, they're they're barreling towards that end where they turn into kids and the magic ends up working. So there's there's really no surprise. Um, it is a good payoff, though. Yeah, it is. So I don't I, I it's hard for me to punish it as it's not a surprise twist, but it's a good payoff. Um, so again, our twist meter or twist rating kind of fails us for this because you can see it coming, but it's exactly what you want to happen mm-hmm. in this episode. I'm, I'm going to give a so, five to the secret twist of Ben being a thief in the old person. Home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, it, that's the thing. Like that's probably the most heartbreaking thing of this episode is Ben just being too far gone and too much of a curmudgeon to, really accept that there might be some magic to what Charles is saying and everything. Um, th- that's the heartbreaking part of this episode, but I don't know if that can lend towards the twist rating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it pays off. It's a, it's a good ending. It's just n- definitely not a surprise. So uh, unfortunately I'll give the twist a three. Yeah. Just well. right, right down the lane. That's, that's, that's kind of, but again, yeah. you're right. This is what you, this is what you wanted. And it would have been, it would have been real sour if it would end like on a, like a dark note of like, and then the kids were never found like something like, you know, like yeah. that, that implied thing. It's just like, you know, or they all go outside and just have heart attacks because they were running around. <laughs> like, like, like they see themselves as kids and it's like, Oh, Billy's going to sleep. It's like, Billy's not waking up again. Like, Oh no. Like that would have been, been way like worse. That, that would not have been a fun episode. <laughs> Uh, definitely not would have uh, not would have enjoyed talking about this one uh, if that would have happened. So, like I said, like I, I don't think there's anything else you could have done with this episode. So, yeah, um, it, it's definitely not a slight against it. It just it's not surprising. So it's it's hard to give the twist anything higher than that. That's fair. So, all right, um, how how can people find us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Strange Highways Podcast. You can get a hold of us at Strange Highways Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to leave us uh, emails about our episodes, any of the Twilight Zone episodes, or if you want to leave us uh, voice memos, you can send them to us at Strange Highways Podcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes at Strange Highways. It would definitely help us out if you would do that and rate and review us on there. We're also available on Google Play. Satchel, Podbean, uh, Stitcher, anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there. Yeah, and this will be our last Twilight Zone episode of the year. So I just mentioned that because Sci-Fi is going doing their big marathon for New Year's. And I I'd, I'd, I'd texted Kevin like the list of the episodes, and I, I made the joke if it starts off strong, the very first episode they're showing a static. That's 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 a joke. But a lot of the first day episodes that they're showing through the marathon we've covered. So if you guys check out the marathon, and maybe you haven't checked out our episodes, check out some of those and then listen to some of the back episodes. It'll be fun. The marathon will yeah. go much faster than our talk about them, but you know, pick and choose. But uh, like, it's surprising to me. I was looking through, I'm like, seen it, seen it, seen it. I mean, it shouldn't surprise me. We've watched more than half the series now, but it still surprises me. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was surprised they extended the marathon like a, a whole 24 hours or so. Yeah. It starts on like December 30th and goes till January 2nd now. Yeah, I was. Yeah, because I kept scrolling through. I'm like, is this over? Do, are they showing every episode? You know, like that's what it felt yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I think it's almost 48 hours of Twilight Zone now. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, yeah if you guys cool. check it out, and if there's some episodes there that you've seen that, or you, you're watching, you're like, I, hey, did we cover that? Uh, flip a coin, because at this point, it is 50-50 if we did or not. So maybe there's ones there that you've seen and you didn't check out us talking about it. You can find us, like, we have all our episodes online, so go back enjoy enjoy the twilight zone like sit back for your new years and do nothing but watch that and uh smoke cigarettes probably shouldn't do that but you know like <laughs> well, i was gonna say if you're, if you're sipping on some champagne you're getting a little drunk watching twilight zone and you're like i really love that one i'm gonna listen to two people get drunk and talk about <laughs> the twilight zone yeah. and go back and find uh, our episode get, talking about it get sloppy and so, then listen to us get sloppy talking about it it'll be great so yeah all right yeah, yeah. Um, so we still have one more episode to go for the year though. So that, that's, that's the tease. So we're actually going to be doing not the twilight zone. We're going to be doing a, the, so we're going to have this out for you guys. It'll be up the Friday before Christmas. Um, and then we're going to surprise you not surprised if you listen to this by, by at this point, we're going to have another episode up bef- like either the day before or Christmas day as a present, we're going to be watching an episode of the series tales from the dark side, uh, season three, episode 11 seasons of belief. Um, the description of this episode on Wikipedia, um, give, it gives a little bit away, but whatever, we're going to have some fun talking about it. Two rowdy kids who don't believe in Santa Claus demand a story during Christmas and their mean parents or parent and grandparent. We'll talk about that. Decide to tell them a different kind of Christmas story, a horrific tale of the monster monstrous grither. So yeah, we're going to be talking about some tales from the dark side. This is, this is a series I've been kind of, kind of hoping we'd get to eventually, um, uh, for for good and for bad, and we're going to have some fun uh, talking about it next time. Very nice. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. This is our first foray into Tales from the Dark Side, so it'll be fun to get into the history of that that series and uh, finally talk about one. Whether yeah. it's good or not, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So till then, which will be a couple of days later, um, have a good holiday and I hope you enjoy this episode and, um, just, just do what you want and don't drown in sprinklers. That's really all I could say. Yeah. I don't know. Stay young, get some hobbies, kick a can around. <laughs> Listen, can't you hear it? Summer, grass, run, jump, youth. Wake up, wake up. Oh, this is your last chance. I can't play kick the can alone.